Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck, to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 31, verses 9 through 16. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye wastes away from grief, and my soul and body also. For my life is spent in sorrow, and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my misery, and my bones waste away. I am the scorn of all my adversaries, a horror to my neighbors, an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have passed out of mind like one who is dead. I have become a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many, terror all around, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and persecutors. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. Isaiah 54, verses 9 through 10. This is like the days of Noah to me, just as I swore that the waters of Noah would never again go over the earth. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you, and I will not rebuke you. For the mountains may depart, and the hills may be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 18. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, in bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I and the children whom God has given me. Since therefore the children share flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same thing, so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For it is clear that he did not come to help angels, but the descendants of Abraham. Therefore he had to become like his brothers and sisters in every respect, so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make a sacrifice of atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself was tested by what he suffered. He is able to help those who are being tested. There's this, I think it's a book, I think it's a book called Eat Lears Eat Last. I don't know who it's by. And it makes me wonder <clears throat> if the person who wrote it is a veteran. Um, because uh, that's one of the things you learn very quickly. Maybe not so much in boot camp. Well, maybe they do do it in boot camp. Um, but I remember very distinctly um, when I got to Bragg in 2001, 
um, one of the things I noticed on field training exercises um, was that the E1s would eat first, and then the E2s, and then the E3s. Um, and it wasn't... I remember being told once or twice, maybe, but I've just taken for granted that the, you know, the highest ranking, you know, you ate in order of rank, but you start with the lowest. And part of that is, you know, if you run out of food, then the officers are kind of on the hook. So it's on them to make sure they order enough and all that stuff. Um, and it, there was this, I thought of saying veiled humility, but I don't think it's veiled. I think it's real. There's a certain kind of humility that is written into military formation. And that, you know, the first eat last, or the, yeah, and the last eat first, I suppose. Um, it, it's kind of contained in there. And the other big one that comes to mind is a saying that I heard time and again from my NCOs. I'm trying to think of it. Yeah, I heard it from one or two officers, too. Um, they would say, you know, I'd never ask you to do something that I haven't already done myself. I wouldn't ask you to do something that I haven't already done myself. And it's not that they wouldn't try it or that would be they'd be willing to do it, but that they have done it themselves. And I always thought that was really important and I was really inspired by that kind of instinct that, that's contained in the that phrase of like, if you're going to be doing it, I want you to know that I've already done it as well. It's this kind of reassuring thing. But it's also another form of this kind of humility um, that is socially enforced. I don't, I don't know that that's a formal requirement anywhere. I never went to any of the leadership courses in the military. I was kind of forced into being a non-commissioned officer. Um, but I think it was just kind of the social hierarchy or the social practice that we had um, that, you know, became enforced to a certain extent. You know, NCOs and officers wouldn't get in trouble for asking their soldiers to do things they hadn't done. Um, but I think the the implication was you lose some respect, you lose some uh, authority, um, social authority, if you're always doing things that you're not willing, you're having your soldiers do something that you're not willing to do yourself or that you haven't done yourself. Um, I remember at Bragg, I think as soon as you were an E5, they'd start talking to you about doing Jumpmaster pretest and um, getting your Jumpmaster badge. Um, and I think if you couldn't jump, if you couldn't pass Jumpmaster uh, qualification and get your your um, Jumpmaster badge, you would not make. I think maybe E7 was the informal cutoff. And officers as well, if you were um, shoot captain, I think, if you're commanding a company or a battery, you had to have, you had to be Jumpmaster qualified. So there are certain things that were enforced, and it it kind of, it made me think of this when a uh, letter of Hebrews, uh, it starts by talking about how um, it's good and right that Jesus calls his followers, brothers and sisters, and talks about the children of, of Abraham um, but it describes it um, saying this in verse 14, Since therefore the children share flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same things, so that through death he might destroy the one who has power of death, that is the devil. Um, and it's this really interesting thing, like it makes you wonder, is God not capable of accomplishing something 
which he had no incarnate experience of. Um, could God have had us do go through something, humanity, that he himself, God's self, had not gone through? And I think the answer is yes. And I think God chose to become incarnate, to enter the flesh, so that there was nothing that God would have us go through, including sanctification, I suppose. Or maybe that's a theologically thorny path, but um, that there was nothing that God would do, uh, had of us do, that God was not willing to experience God's self. Um, again, it goes on. He had to become like his brothers and sisters in every respect in verse 17, so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make sacrifice of atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself was tested by what he suffered, he is able to help those who are being tested. The experience of a thing, the common experience, there's got to be some difference between like imagined sympathy and experienced uh, compassion maybe. Like I, I can imagine how that might feel is one thing. And then I understand because I have experienced that same thing is something else. Um, and the, the author and the community that produced the letter to the Hebrews seems pretty convinced of that. Um, that it is by the shared experience of a thing that truly um, provides a, a necessary link to one's ability and capacity to perform that thing. Um, because he was tested by what he suffered, God was tested. God suffered as the Son. It is for that reason that God is able to help those who are being tested. Therefore, he had to become like his brothers and sisters, God the Son, in every respect, so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. So it's this... It's this cool little thing that helps me understand um, God and Christ a little bit more because I experienced it in the military. To see people with high rank, to tell me to go first, to, to go before them as a, as a form of humility, but also knowing, because I've seen you know the ranger tabs or the jump master badges, I know that they've gone through what I'm going through. And I know that it's possible to persevere in something like that. Um, that same instinct, that same uh, concept seems to be operative in the way God encounters humanity, at least in the way that the, the letter to the Hebrews um, suggests. And I hope that gives us some hope that God knows what we're going through because God has gone through it. Um, not just, you know, through the mud and the suck and, and the shit, but also maybe these mundane things, maybe these moments where um, we forget you know, the, our meaning and purpose in life or um, we simply become bored or complacent or when we despair, we know that God has, has experienced these things and that when we hear from God and when we experience God, it is, um, it is something that God shares in because God has shared in. He can speak to that experience 
because God has endured and experienced that set of circumstances, including, up to and including, death on a cross. A Collect for the Fifth Week of Lent O Almighty God, who alone can order the unruly wills and affections of sinful humanity. Grant to our, to your people that they may love the thing which you command and desire that which you promise, that so among the sundry and manifold changes of the world our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, for now and forever. Amen. Thank you for falling into Pew Pew HQ's first formation, where we share morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support this podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host yourself by recording a lectionary reading and sending it to me to be included in a weekday episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts can be found in earlier episodes, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in First Formation in this or any way. Finally, and maybe most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a voice message feature on Anchor's iOS or Android apps. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you will continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been and always will be Logan Isaac. Always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.